Very shark of dogs by nature. Time for our pro football scope, the latest in NFL news. Not only the latest in NFL news, but Barry covers the Cleveland Browns based here in Pensacola, but a lot that Barry does for the website. Again, dogsbynature.com. You can check out all his stuff that, that, that he writes. Covers mainly the Browns, but uh, also college football relating to the Browns and the NFL draft. Uh, Barry, how are you doing today? Well, it's been a it's been a rough week. I applied to an ad that I saw by the Indianapolis Colts. They were wanting a white guy with no head coaching experience, <laughs> but had broadcasting experience. And uh, I just never heard back from him. Yeah, really unfortunate. You know, can you believe? And this is one of the things. I to me, and Jim Irsay has has called BS on this, which uh, I, I don't know if I if Jim Irsay is the the guy that a lot of people believe. Anyways, based on the things that, that that he has said over the course of his tenure being the owner of um, the Indianapolis Colts. But this is a move that there's so many guys that you could put down as qualified for this position that Ursay did not go to. He goes to a consultant. And, and while I will say this, a Colts legend, but ESPN analyst Jeff Saturday, is this a move that is so obvious that they're just throwing in the season and throwing in the towel? Or is there actually... A chance that Jeff Saturday can can actually lead this football team. Well, he's been a consultant with the team for a long time, and and they they really enjoy his um, his attitude and and what he brings to the team as far as his knowledge. But I can't remember maybe in other sports, but as far as the NFL goes, I can't remember a team ever firing a coach during the season and then bringing in somebody that wasn't already on the coaching staff. Usually it's elevating the OC or the DC or elevating somebody like uh, like the defensive back or running back coach, but it's just odd to me that they would just reach out to somebody. That, that would be like them reaching out to uh, John Gruden, even though he's he's got issues, um, or somebody from the past and saying, hey, you know, you you were a coach and and coached the rest of the, the team for the rest of the season. I don't understand why they just didn't bump somebody up and make them interim head coach, and then after the end of the year, go through the the hiring process and interviewing process, just like every other team does. Yeah, and and if they really liked Jeff Saturday that much, I mean, he could have obviously nobody was going to get him anyways. It's not like you would have had him stolen away from you by any stretch of the imagination. Because he's been an analyst and nobody's thinking about that, so the, the the move is very interesting. Now, you know that being said, the it's 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 a conversation that comes up uh, with my friends on uh, Twitter mainly, but also some of the media okay. from Indy is, well, so are they really tanking? They already got three wins. If you look at the standings right now, they're nowhere close to getting a first overall draft pick. They're nowhere close to getting even a top five draft pick. Just how things currently sit. Do you really think that? they're doing this to try to throw in the season or are they going to try to just win games with Jeff Saturday and go from there? I feel like, and, and Jim Mercer has said, we're, we're, we are not tanking. Do you believe him at all? When, when he says that after this kind of a move? Well, obviously he can't say, yes, we are tanking, but if you look right, at right. other teams, I mean, even if they played bad, I mean, they've already benched their starting quarterback and they got their second quarterback coming in. Even so, I mean, you can't tell me that the Colts are not better than the Lions, the Panthers, um, the Raiders, or Houston. 
Yeah. I mean, all of those those teams have either one or two wins, and they're just pathetic. They're pathetic on offense. They can't stop the pass, all four of them. So, you know, they're also in a division that is horrible. Uh, the Tennessee Titans are leading with a 5-3 and three record. That's only two games out. The Colts are in second place at 3-5-1. and one. And that tie, that actually gives them a leg up. You may think, well, that, that's going to be a detriment going towards the season. Mm-hmm. That half game actually could put them in a wild card spot over a team that's got a, a one more loss than they have. So I don't think that they're throwing in the towel, and even if they are, they definitely wouldn't say it. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, for for obvious reasons there. Again, Barry Shuck joining of Dogs by Nature. Um, Barry, one of the other teams who has really struggled has been the New Orleans Saints, and we obviously ha- have a strong fan base for them uh, here, or a solidly good fan base for the Saints in the area. The, the the place that they're at right now, they're they're at three and six. Um, they're in a bit of a predicament, I think, which is kind of where the Colts have been, to be honest with you, where their team is too good to be bad, but not good enough to go and make a run in the Super Bowl. That's why the Colts have tried to put the Band-Aid on the quarterback position rather than getting a guy in the draft. That's why they got, you know, Phillip Rivers. That didn't work out. Matt Ryan obviously hasn't worked out to this point. Do you think the Saints are in that position where they've got too good of a roster to be in the running for a guy like Bryce Young and that plus they gave away their first round pick for next year where they would have had a top five pick. So it's not like they can go and get a guy at the quarterback position this year without having to give up something seriously big to get that first round pick back. Yeah, they're they're just horrible on and on defense is their main problem. They do okay on offense. They are currently ranked eighteenth uh overall in as far as passing goes. Um They've got issues on defense. They they can't seem to stop the run. They have issues in the in the, the uh, defensive backfield with their secondary. Um, they're going to need a lot of help. They they got rid of Ryan Ramchek, who was their starting a uh, right tackle, and that has proved to be uh, deadly right there. They're going to have to improve that offensive line too. They've got a good nucleus, but they just can't seem to settle on a quarterback. Ever since Drew Brees left and ever since Sean Payton left, it's like the doors have fallen off, and they can't seem to to replace. And, you know, being a Cincinnati fan with Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow I think is one of the top five quarterbacks in the league. Once he showed up, the entire season, the entire franchise flipped. They started getting some offensive lines, started getting him some weapons, yeah. and now you've got the uh, the quarterback in there. But until you get that quarterback settled, the Saints aren't going anywhere. No, no, they're not, and and that's the thing that they're dealing with now is their talent is great around Jameis, but he's been inconsistent and unhealthy, and now Andy Dalton has been playing okay. Jameis gets to be healthy, and Dennis Allen's like, look, I'm sticking with Andy Dalton. They, they lost and only scored 13 points in that game the other night. Um, or whatever it was against the Ravens, and Dennis Allen says, yeah, I'm still sticking with Andy Dalton. So clearly there is a lack of trust in Jameis um, for, for what it's worth there, and then Andy Dalton is not nearly the quarterback he was in Cincinnati, and even still, I don't know if you would want, uh, you would consider him to be a guy that can lead you to a Super Bowl, which given the talent that they've got on that roster, uh, is certainly, if they figure it out, being capable of that. Speak with Barry Shuck of Dogs by Nature, our pro football scope. The Bills and Josh Allen, I'm going to get to him, First, and then we'll go on to the Browns and the potential of playing a Josh Allen list Bills and team next week. How how serious over the course of your time covering 
the NFL and uh, Tom Brady coming out and saying that he almost retired due to a, an elbow issue. The UCL injury involves the elbow, and it's the throwing arm of, arm of Josh Allen. How serious of an injury could this be for Josh Allen going forward, not only this season, but maybe even down the line of his career? Well, he didn't practice for a second consecutive day uh, today as he deals with that uh, elbow injury, but he's still showing up for practice. He's still involved in the, uh, the offense. He's still involved around the huddle, um, and he seems to be the exact same Josh Allen that he's always been. You know, he suffered that um, an injury to his ulnar collateral ligament uh, in his right elbow when Jets defensive end Bryce Huff hit him, his throwing arm, which resulted in a fumble at the end of the game, which really was the difference in, in the game. It was a 20-17 to 17 loss to the Jets. That was the difference in putting the Jets over the hump. Um, Sean McDermott, the head coach, had described uh, Josh's injury as kind of day-to-day, but his status for the Bills game on Sunday against the Minnesota Vikings is still up in the air. Um, he has, he's been very durable. He hasn't missed, missed a game since 2018 when he had a, a similar UCL injury and the exact same elbow. Um, I, if he misses Sunday, I don't think he's going to miss two games in a row. And I still think that the, the themselves, the Chiefs, are the two best teams in the AFC. But just like anything else, if you go to the backup quarterback, how does that affect your offense? Now, the Bills can't run with a hoop, but they can definitely throw the ball. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that maybe this gives them an excuse to try to figure something out in the run game in the meantime with Josh being out. And that being said, they take on the Browns next week. So in your opinion, you don't think that Josh Allen, if he does miss this week, would be out for that game against the Browns next weekend, correct? Is is that the at least the thought right now based on what you've yeah. heard and, and seen? Well, all we can, all we can do is, is give what the coach tells us. And, you know, sure. coaches – kind of Hollywood talk. They they don't want to give out too much information, but the NFL has a system set up that teams have to report what's going on with players, with the, the questionable, the out, and all that was done back in the 1970s because of betters. And believe it or not, that's why we have all these injury reports because it makes it unfair for if you place bets on teams and not know that Josh Allen is going to play or if he's, if he's a questionable play or that he's probable to play. And if he's probable, he's, he's going to play. So um, that's the way that situation is. Are the Browns nearing a must-win situation week in and week out, at least before Deshaun Watson comes back, given where they're at? Because now we're starting to see a little bit of some uh, some separation in the NFL standings where you've got – eight or nine teams who are above 500 and then the rest are a game or two back of that 500 slot looking to to try to make that push for the wild card spot. I, at least as of right now, I would say the Browns are not going to win the division. Their best hope is to get a wild card spot. Do, do you think they're, they're must win now or do you think that in the next couple of weeks they're going to eventually get to that point? Well, I think the Browns have two major problems the Baltimore Ravens, and the Cincinnati Bengals. If they could just get rid of those two teams, I think they'd do well in their division. Um, I still think that that division goes through Cincinnati, even though that they are a full game back. 
Baltimore is going to do whatever Lamar Jackson does, and mm-hmm. and Lamar's playing uh, out of his mind this year. Um, he is just a force, and he he can't throw the long ball, so he has to dink and dunk with his uh, tight end and with his uh, running backs. And then, of course, he uses his legs. If you can keep him in the pocket and just let him uh, throw short all day, I think you can beat the Ravens. Cincinnati, um, how, why they played the Browns the last game, I don't know. It, sometimes teams just was in a funk. I was watching the Clemson game. Um, Saturday, yeah, and they just played bad on all three sides: offense, defense, and special teams. And the Bengals against the Browns, the same thing. Now, for the Browns, we say that that Cleveland fi- finally played a complete game, meaning they played great on offense, great on defense, and great on special teams, and they did. But part of that is is that Cincinnati just just absolutely tanked. Sometimes that's a good thing when you have a loss. It kind of wakes everybody up that you're not invincible, and all of a sudden you're not in first place in your division anymore. You're in second place, um, you know, with other teams that are taken over. And um, but that's what I feel. I don't. I don't think the Browns are going to do much now. In game eleven, they get Deshaun Watson um, against the Texans, mm-hmm. but the rest of their schedule is brutal. Yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, the, yeah, the Bengals, I think they are saying, have the second toughest schedule remaining in the league. So, But by no stretch of the imagination, is it going to be easy for them or anybody in the AFC North? Speaking with Barry Shuck of Dogs by Nature, our pro football scope. One more thing, Barry, for you. Um, this whole deal with Washington, D.C., I, I, I can't get over the fact that it's such a poor distraction for the team off the field that I, I don't know if I could imagine having that in the background going on. I, and I don't think players have really been asked about this necessarily. I haven't followed it in, in depth with that team, of course, because we're not really in that market, of course, being in, in Washington, D.C. compared to Pensacola. But anyways, that it, it's a big deal for the NFL. And now the D.C. Attorney General is suing a civil lawsuit against the league, the commanders, and Dan Snyder. I mean, the fact that they included the league in this as well, I think is very interesting um, in regards to how the commanders have handled things with their fans and all their financials. Yeah, and and what that is about is they're alleging that they colluded to deceive uh, Washington and surrounding residents about an NFL investigation into the team's toxic uh, workplace culture and the allegations of sexual assault. And they claim this went on for years, and the owner... Um, it's really caused some real and serious uh, harm mm. and accountability at, just so that they can rake in progress. I mean, excuse me, rake in profits. The lawsuit apparently alleges that these deceptive a- efforts were aimed to keep fans in the dark. And what that did, Drew, was it would increase profits for the sa- uh, for the team. Sure. The lawsuit cites that the, the District of Columbia's a Consumer Protection Procedures Act, which is what the Attorney General's uh, broad authority to hold the, the, the individuals to, is that the the commanders and Snyder should be held accountable for m- misleading customers. Is the fact that they included the NFL in this, does that make it a more serious deal, kind of like what Brian Flores did when he filed that lawsuit? It, d- d- does that raise the stakes when the league is involved as well and beyond just the team? I think what that does is it's all-encompassing. Hmm. It's apparently it, when you when you uh, file a lawsuit against 
just Dan Snyder and or just the commanders. You have to leave, you can't leave that out. The commanders are part of the NFL. And if you go over all of it, then that encompasses uh, what your your lawsuit is and it's just the toxic culture within the uh, organization. They feel that Snyder encouraged it and he participated in it. Yeah, very very interesting stuff and we'll have to see if uh this furthers the process along with Dan Snyder eventually just selling the, the uh, Commanders. Barry Shuck of Dogs by Nature with our Pro Football Scope. Uh, pleasure as always, Barry. Do you have an idiom uh, for us today? Um, I do. And also tonight is um, on Thursday night football is uh, Falcons Panthers. Panthers. Yeah. The Fa- Falcons Panthers. The, the Falcons are a lot better than you may think they are. And another storyline that's going up is what's going to happen with Baker Mayfield. Um, he came in in relief last week and threw three touchdowns in, in a losing effort. But is he going to be just out of a job forever? Mm. Um, you think about it, the, the the Panthers next year will go into it with um, the only quarterback under contract is their uh, their draft choice, uh, Corral from uh, Ole Miss. The idiom I'm going to give you this week is the high five. Okay. Now, we, we all know that this is a gesture by, by players and fans alike in which one person over, offers their hand up high to which the other participant slaps it. We've all done this. In sports bars, uh, we'll do it at the water cooler. We'll do it uh, walking down the hall. Mm. This was invented by uh, uh, Los Angeles Dodgers center fielder Glenn Burke. Uh, and it was the very last game in 1977. The Dodgers had already won the NL West. We're headed to the the series against the Philadelphia Phillies. And the last game of the regular season, um, the Dodgers had four sluggers all all within each other, uh, back-to-back. And Burke was the, the fifth player after those sluggers. The, the, field, the fielder before him was Dusty Baker, and he hit a home run. When Dusty Baker came to the head, uh, came to the play, Glenn Burke came up to him. Now this was a time when uh, the culture, especially the black culture, would offer a low hand and say, "Give me some skin." Well, Burke came up and held his hand up high and arched his back, and Dusty came up and just stopped and stared at him. Didn't know what to do, so he slapped it. The very next bat was Burke. Burke hit a home run. When he got to the home plate. Baker came up with his hand up high, and Burke naturally slapped it. Awesome. That's spectacular stuff. Again, Barry, uh, very, very informative, that stuff. And, yeah, this is something that we're going to always have forever is, is the high five. Well, appreciate the time as always, Barry. Uh, I, I, I got to run. You have a good weekend. Enjoy the games. We'll talk to you next week. Sounds good, my friend.